Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We are podcasting a Bible study every Sunday morning for those who cannot be with us but want to be in God's Word. We we podcast this every Sunday morning at the time that we meet together in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, we know that there are people even in the Omaha area who cannot be with us at the times that we have our regularly scheduled Bible classes. Maybe they have work schedules that conflict, or maybe they have illness or physical infirmities that keep them from being able to get out, but they want to be in God's Word. They want to study. They want to learn what God's Word teaches. We know that there are also people across the country and literally around the world who want to be in God's Word. They want to study the Bible. They want to hear what the Bible really teaches, but they obviously, living in other parts of the country and the world, they cannot be with us in person. So we're thankful to have the ability and the opportunity and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis wherever the internet is available by means of these podcasts. We're thankful that you're there. We thank, we're thankful that you want to learn more from God's Word, and we're thankful that we're here and have the opportunity to help you learn. We encourage you to tell others about these podcasts, these Bible classes, these studies from God's Word, and even share them with them through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. Also, tell them, everybody you can, to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Now, that's free. And click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. That is free. It always will be free. And then they will receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or their computer or whatever they choose, Sunday morning Bible class, Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a Monday through Friday radio program called Search the Scriptures. And, and this is, I really consider this to be a gem, uh, a seven-day-a-week short Bible study. We call that today's Bible class, usually only about 13 or 14 minutes long, but it's every day. keeps us in God's Word, and since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, it helps us to stay focused on our spiritual lives, on our relationship with God, and to continue to grow stronger in our faith. So take advantage of this opportunity yourself and help others to do so as well. Tell them about it, churchofchrist.com. Now, we're going to get back into our study from the Old Testament book of Judges. We've been studying through the early history of man, going back all the way to Genesis chapter 1 and the creation, and then picking up after the flood in Noah's day, and then picking up with Abraham as God chose him to be the forefather of the nation of Israel. And so we saw Abraham through his life and then his son's life lives and then the Jacob being ultimately the forefather of the heads of the or the beginnings at least the forefathers of the 12 tribes of Israel and then Israel coming along and growing up in into a mighty nation numerically while living in Egypt and ultimately becoming enslaved by the Egyptian by the Egyptian Pharaoh and then how God chose Moses and 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 his brother Aaron to lead them out of that bondage into uh, in, into or to Mount Sinai so God would give them the, his spiritual law and then lead them to the promised land and we saw we we studied through all of that and then all the way to the point where 
Joshua, after Moses had died, Joshua leads them across the Jordan River into the Promised Land, and he leads them in numerous battles wherein God gives them victory after victory after victory over the peoples of of that land that God had promised to them going all the way back to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. Now, when, when Joshua then gets older and he steps aside, they have pretty much controlled that whole promised land, the land that God had promised to them going all the way back to their forefathers and ultimately to Abraham. But God had told them, you, the peoples living in this land, which would become Israel, he said, you know, you either drive them out or you destroy them altogether. Do not let any of them remain. Do not establish any kind of relationships with them. And particularly, do not allow your sons and daughters to intermarry with their sons and daughters because they will ultimately become an influence to lead you away from me and to start worshiping their idols as gods. And that was, that was the religious uh, for uh, the religious, uh, the religious, you know, uh, focus of those peoples who lived in that land before God led the Israelites in there. They they worshipped idols, and so God said, "Don't let that stand. Don't let those idols stay. You just destroy those people, or else drive them out. Don't have any relationships with them." Well, they almost completely obeyed God, but. Again, after Joshua died and there were still some battles to be fought, they drew back. Maybe say they got tired of fighting. Uh, And again, they basically controlled the land and put in subjection all the peoples who still were there. But they had either destroyed or driven out most of them, but they allowed some to stay. Now, you think about the influence of leaven or yeast upon dough that you're going to break that you're going to bake into a loaf of bread you put a little keg of yeast in one end of the of the lump of dough it doesn't stay just there in that one end it's going to spread pretty much throughout that lump of dough now you the other the opposite end may not be as 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 thick and high as in the end where you put that one you know keg of yeast or one cake of yeast, but it's going to spread throughout the whole lump of dough. And so you leave a little bit of ungodly influence in your life, it's going to affect your whole life. You know, I'm, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to live a righteous life. I'm going to live a godly life. But, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have every once in a while, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to probably give in and, and commit some sexual immorality with somebody. It's going to affect your whole life. It's going to have an effect on your whole life. Or every now and then, you know, I, I may, I may, you know, steal something, or I may, you know, tell a few lies. Uh, I may cheat, you know, on my income tax, or I may cheat and, you know, abscond some funds at the office where I work. You know, I, well, that's going to affect your whole life. You can't compartmentalize that and say it's only going to affect one small segment of my life. No, it's going to affect your whole life. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and verse 23. And so whatever that is, whatever that kind of sin is that you're playing with, that's going to have an effect on your whole life. Well, so 
God tells the Israelites, you drive those people out. You have nothing to do with them. And they almost, they almost completely obey. But they leave some in there. And over years, those people they've left in there have more and more of an influence upon the Israelites themselves. It's a whole lot easier to pull somebody down than it is to lift somebody up. And so those idol-worshiping peoples they allowed to stay in their land that God had given them, they start to pull them down. And they suffer the consequences. And God had warned them ahead of time, this is going to happen if you let those people stay there. They're going to influence you away from me and into their ungodly worship of idols. Now, so God begins to as we've been reading through the first 12 chapters of Judges, God begins to allow their enemies to conquer them and put them in subjection, at least in sections of the nation of Israel. Now, remember that God gave the promised land to the Israelites and and divided that land into sections, each section belonging to one of the tribes. And, And so there were enemies that God allowed to to uh, put in subjection, to conquer and put in in subjection certain areas of the promised land, certain tribes. And he continued to then raise up judges when the people were ready to repent and come back to him more fully. He would raise up a leader called a judge that would lead them in battle to defeat their enemies and drive their enemies out. Well, so that goes on and on. But again, it, it's, it's segmented to a great extent. Now, in chapter 13, we come to one of the most famous judges by reputation and by recognition of his name, and that's Samson. Several ch- chapters of the book of Judges are devoted to uh, the life of Samson and what he would do as a judge. A lot of times we look to an individual as a leader for either our nation or maybe a very influential friend or relative within our personal life. But a lot of times those individuals, while we might look at them in one particular at one particular aspect of their life as being very laudable, you know, very, you know, praiseworthy. They have other aspects of their life that are not praiseworthy at all. And a lot of times people, they have a sincere desire to take a position of leadership to help other people. But when they get in that position of leadership, it goes to their head and they end up becoming corrupt to one degree or another themselves. Samson struggled, struggled with physical desires and emotional desires that kept him from being fully the judge, the leader of his people that God raised him up to be. We pick up with verse with chapter 13, verse 1. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. See, we're talking about generation after generation. We're talking about how long is a generation? About 30 years. 
from the time that there's one adult population that is really the leaders and the shakers and the movers and the governors, and then they get older, and then the next generation rises up, and they take their position in the adult world and in and, and all those positions themselves. Well, so we keep seeing when it came to the history of Israel that they would be faithful for a generation or so, and then they would forget about faithfulness to God, and they would become unfaithful for a generation or so. And so God would allow their enemies to conquer them and put them in subjection, and then they would come to repentance after, you know, after a period of 30 or 40 years, and God would raise up a leader, a judge, to lead them into uh, conquest against their, their conqueror and, and give them, restore their freedom. Well, and again, the primary, the primary problem in the mindset of the Israelites during all these hundreds of years, was the worship of idols. They, they never completely put themselves away from those idols or put those idols away from them in their conscience. They kept coming back to them until ultimately hundreds and hundreds of years later, God allowed them to be taken captive into foreign lands by powerful enemies and in that particular, and during that particular time of 70 years being in captivity, they finally came to grips with the fact that we have destroyed ourselves by not following God faithfully, consistently, and by worshiping idols that are nothing. And they put the idols out of their mind, out of their conscience, out of their lives for good thereafter. Well, so... Verse 1, chapter 13, again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. The Philistines would be a tremendous thorn in the side of the Israelites for hundreds of years, one of their foremost enemies, and they continually would go to war with the Philistines. Either the Philistines would attack them or they would, they would attack the Philistines and try to drive them out. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, Danites, Dan being one of the tribes of Israel, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have, and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. And so the angel was telling the woman, you're going to have a child, you're going to have a son, but um, don't drink wine, don't eat anything unclean. And there were certain meats that the Israelites were forbidden to eat as being unclean, pork being one of them. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite, to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So Nazarite vow, you don't cut your hair. I believe also you don't cut your beard. Now, this is obviously for men. You don't drink wine. You don't eat anything unclean. And so the angel tells the woman, your son 
is going to become, basically, he's going to become a judge of Israel, and he's going to begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, a man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of of the angel of God, very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. So this would be a lifelong dedication and commitment by way of life for her son. And he said to me, or I'm sorry, verse, verse 8, Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to, whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again, as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Interesting answer, isn't it? Manoah said, now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe." Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? That, that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat <clears throat> from the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven. From the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended ascended into the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things as these at this time. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mehenna, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtael. 
So Manoa and his wife had a son. His wife had the son, Samson. Now, I know that Samson has been kind of glamorized from a, you know, Hollywood perspective and movie or two have been made about him. And Samson, while he was mighty in physical strength, he struggled with his faith. Or maybe we should say his faithfulness to God. He struggled being consistent in his faithfulness to God. Now, he, God raised him up to be a great leader of the Israelites, at least within his tribe in that area, and to ultimately deliver them from the Philistine bondage. But, but while Samson proved to be, to be able to do that through the physical strength that God blessed him with, he continued to struggle with his emotions, with his uh, spiritual focus, and so he paid a price for that, and his people paid a price as well. Samson is a great lesson for us today in the fickleness of humanity, but also in the, in, in the, the, the propensity of mankind to continue to waver in our dedication, and especially to God. How many times do young men and young women vow that they will be faithful to each other as husband and wife. But somewhere down the road, when things get a little bit less emotionally driven, maybe things become a little more tedious from a physical perspective, maybe difficulties arise of one kind or another, they start to veer off from that faithfulness to their spouse and they become unfaithful, at least to some degree, and maybe on a repeated basis. Well, when you think about our faithfulness to God, our dedication to God, that mirrors what we've just talked about in the marriage relationship. And when you think about how the Apostle Paul portrays the relationship of the church with Jesus Christ, the church being his bride, Jesus being our head, and he uses the marriage, the physical marriage relationship between husband and wife as an illustration of how we ought to be married to our Lord and be dedicated and committed to him all the time throughout our lives. But we struggle, don't we? We struggle. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people become Christians, and they might be zealous for a period of time, but then their zeal starts to wane. The devil throws something into their life by way of temptation, and it becomes effective because they give in to the temptation, and they become weaker and weaker in their faith, and then they story away away altogether. Well, that's sad. We see a real-life lesson for us in, in, in terms of our relationship with God, our dedication to him, our ongoing commitment to live by his teachings in faithful, consistent obedience throughout our lives, we see a great life lesson in the life of Samson as portrayed in these several chapters 
in the book of Judges. So be sure to tune in and we'll learn a lot about ourselves and how the devil wants to work on us to pull us away from God and away from faithfulness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for giving us your word and and all of these accounts of different characters within the scriptures, the accounts through which we can learn how to avoid those same kinds of mistakes and also learn how to take up the good examples and apply them to our lives personally so that we can walk with you in steady, consistent, strong, faithful obedience. Thank you, Father, for blessing us with your word to guide us, to instruct us, to encourage us, but also to warn us and help us to learn the right lessons and make the right applications to our lives. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.